wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with West Worship and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthold, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, Virginia Tech beat Wofford. It was a great win, 27 to 7. How are you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. It's a W. I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. And um, yes, uh, we'll get into some funny stuff in a minute after after my cheers. That'll uh, be a very lighthearted reaction to Pete's uh, Pete's text message to me and Joe Lanza uh, right after the game or a little bit after the game. So um, yeah, give us that cheers. Cheers to depth charts and getting some depth uh, in this game from positions of need, uh, particularly and most notably the wide receiver. And you could say uh, running back, I guess, because we had Chance Black out there for a while. But really, I think the uh, wide receiver seeing the field, seeing three guys step up that we were hoping to, at least in a, against a very uh, pushover opponent or what should have been more of a pushover opponent. I'm I'm pretty excited about that because it's something we've been talking about for a while and a desperate need for this season. So let's cheers to that. Cheers. <clears throat> yeah, we were able to build out that depth just a little bit with the wide receivers, and that's what you wanted. You said you wanted to see them all, every single one we had, and I think we just about did. A couple guys made some key contributions, which we'll go over later. For now, let's just get into our news and notes, and I'll start with the AP poll. No real change at the top, but Miami was not able to pull off the victory down in College Station. They dropped to number 25, losing to A&M in a game where they didn't score a touchdown. Yes, a uh, very strange game. Uh, I did have, I think I had Miami, and uh, or no, I had A&M taking that game, and you had Miami. So that, yes. was, a, that was a W W for me, but a strange game, and they were not Our picks able- were weird because, like, the games went one way or the other in a really hard direction for most of the picks. Yes. I went, I think I went six for eight. No, in, uh, you did well. Yes. yes. I, I won the Washington mm-hmm. pick and I might've won one other one, but the other ones were like, we're a disaster. Like I had Auburn, you had Penn state. Yes. I was way wrong on that yeah, one. That, Auburn is not good. No, <laughs> they got Penn state decimated. And then they had the battle of the bands in there where the, did you see the tweet of that? So yes, the band, yes. the bands would not, the the Auburn band would not leave the stadium because the Penn State band wasn't leaving. So they were just like <laughs> fighting it out. Uh, it was so petty and so wonderful. And we also had Bo Nix making me look stupid too. Yes, another strange, strange outcome. Uh, and we had another coach firing as well. So oh yeah, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Herm Edwards finally out of Arizona State. It's amazing it took this long. I know. It's after all the stuff that he did wrong. Oh, you're not he that was a full Seinfeld. Oh, I wasn't supposed to do that to have, you know, recruits in and when during COVID. <laughs> was I wrong? Was I wrong? Should, should I not have done should that? I not have done that? <laughs> yeah. So but it was a it was a strange week, but not not much changed for the very elite teams this week no. after all of the shakeup the week before. It is nice to see NC State back up to the number 12 spot. After almost losing to ECU in week one, they avoided that disaster, and now they're they're sitting pretty good, but their quarterback hasn't been playing that well. I'm interested to see how Leary progresses throughout the year. Wake's sitting at 21. They escaped against Liberty. Yep. We also had UVA escaping against ODU, which we talked about that. We both picked ODU, right? Yes. Like, and they almost won the game. Yeah, we, we we talked on this podcast last week about how the Virginia schools are making it a headache for like everybody right now. And it happened again this weekend. They yeah. almost beat UVA and Wake almost got beat. Pitt is sitting at number 24 to uh, round out the ACC teams there. I was looking at like who the bad teams or teams that have been bad who are now looking good or at least like three and oh or whatever this year we got fsu syracuse duke kansas oregon state washington state this is this has the makings of a fun year in college football it's incredible i i don't know what the what do you think the payout is if you had duke being three and oh at this stage because they were nobody had that or what if what would the payment you, well be? the lines and their games alone have been huge and they keep covering if you put a hundred dollar bet on Kansas and Duke being three and0 at this point <laughs> in the season would you be a millionaire is what I if wanted you, I I would that has to be would have had to have been like twenty thousand that's incredible something like that I think I think Duke right now to win the ACC is currently twenty thousand to one <laughs> and I was I was looking at it today on a I think I was on betrivers.com. There's a million pl- sites that you can go to. Everyone knows that. But I think I was on betrivers and VT was 10,000 to 1 or I'm sorry, plus 10,000. Duke was plus 20,000. Wow. And to me, looking at the list, it was obviously Clemson and Miami and NC State whatever all up there. But the value play to me had to be Duke because Clemson doesn't look that good. Miami who knows what they are this year. NC State, they're solid, but Leary's not playing well. Like, yeah. pure value. If I could bet $1 and win $200, that's what plus 20000 is, right? Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> twenty. you bet $100 to get paid out $20,000. So I think on, on that one. So that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I know. I'm not, I'm not doing so well. So take with two zeros right off of it. So it would be two th- It would be, yeah, $200. You had it right from the beginning. But yeah, to me that that seems like the best value play. But I won't I won't probably be doing it. But go put a dollar on Duke to win the ACC. You never know. They, okay. Their quarterback's playing well. <laughs> I'm gonna do it right after we get done with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, depth chart injury update. We didn't have King against Wofford. We didn't have Garbit. We didn't have Fuga. And then during the game, Janzy went out. Caleb Smith left the game. And I I thought for a second there, Caleb Caden Moore left as well. Yeah, and, I thought he he did come out of the game because. I remember, didn't he have, he had a bad penalty, I think. And yes, then, he did. And then I remember him coming out of the game and thinking to myself, man, I shouldn't have said something bad about him under my breath because now he's hurt. <laughs> so that that actually transpired. He must have gone back in the game because everything I read afterwards indicated the offensive line basically played the whole time until the end. And Bob Schick ended up coming in for Janzy, but 
I think for the most part, they're still trying to get that rotation all cohesive together. I know I'm going off topic a lot right now, but I'm pretty excited about this. Bob Schick is going to own a car dealership, right? I mean, that is, <laughs> it. I mean, that is, you you have to own a car dealership if you have that name. It's Bob just, Schick Chevrolet? Yes. It is just too perfect. But yes, he did does, come in. He does game. sound like that. He came, in, he came into the game to keep it on topic, and he played all right. I actually watched him because he was coming in. I wanted to make sure things weren't going to go awry, given we've had offensive line troubles. And mm-hmm. uh, it seemed on my eye that he like, played pretty well. Yeah, and we need to build out that depth. I thought we would see Chaplin as the first tackle off the bench, but it was Schick, so that's good to know. He's a little bit older. Blue is moved to first string, along with Lofton and Smith at wide receiver. I guess Blue's in that in that slot, and that's that's because of the nice grabs he made, I guess. He, he kind of earned that spot, if you ask me, this past weekend. Yeah, he had the catch on the sideline, um, the shoestring catch, which was nice. He almost had, I know we're going to get to the nice, even better catch that he had over the middle, but he almost had another one of those, too, on the same sideline. Uh, a, a few plays later, he couldn't pull that one in, I think, or maybe the defender knocked it out, I think. Um, but that amazing catch into double coverage, we can talk about yeah, that. Great, um, great grab. Um, high and the only place that he could get it, and he pulled that one down, which was awesome. So I'll do just a little bit of the bad news before we get to the better news. Malachi is a long shot to play against WVU. Based on what we had heard and basically the lack of what we'd heard leading up to this point, that kind of makes sense. And I think they said it's going to need like a medical miracle for him to play on Thursday. So don't count on seeing Malachi. Uh, They did say Caleb Smith looked better on Sunday than he did the previous Sunday. Uh, That's a good thing because we need Caleb. But I think he's dealing with multiple nagging things at this point. That's what I had in my notes, which has me worried because – one of those has got to give at some point. I think he has three separate injuries, like a shoulder, a leg, and something else. All you need is one of those to get really like nicked up hard in a game, and he's going to be out for longer than he than he has been. So that has me very worried about him uh, sustaining it for the season. Last two notes. Jenkins is now the clear number one at Sam. There's no more or designation with him. He's been playing pretty well, according to PFF. And Cole Beck is the number two kick returner behind Chance Black. So that's cool. Cole should be getting on the field if that's the case. So uh, that's all I had for the depth chart. We moved up four spots to number 61 in the SP+. But the offense continues to drop and the defense continues to rise. The defense is now top 20, Robbie. Yeah, it is. It's tough. I know I know. we just played Wofford. So, you know, that it goes the grain of salt or whatever the case may be. So, but Hey, it's still top 20 defense. A lot of teams out there have played some cupcakes as well, but, and that's supposed to be factored in. Yes. It's supposed to be factored in as well. The offense we'll get to this in a moment. So let's not hit it too much. We, there are some concerns I think is the best way to put it. It sounds like there's, there are concerns. Let me just preview my thoughts. There are concerns but the coaching staff, based on the way that I'm reading their comments, are well aware that there are some concerns. To mm-hmm. the, they are concerned as well. So this is not like, um, you know, we're living in a fantasy world where you know the offense is fine. Everybody kind of knows that there's some problems now. Whether we can fix those or not, that's a t- another topic that we'll hit on in a little bit. For sure. I wanted to remind everyone that our stickers are available at Dominion. 
right now. As long as you make a purchase, they're right at the counter. I know at least someone tweeted at us that saying they picked up the stickers this past weekend, so that was awesome. I'll make sure to go check out Dominion and DTC, watch some games, and have some beer this weekend. And finally, we debuted the Two Deep Reaction Line this past week. It was kind of an idea that the Solid Verbal came up with many years ago. You guys probably know about reverbs if you're a big college football fan where they have fans call in during and after the games to give their funny reactions. And Robbie and I talked about this many years ago, never got it going. And just recently we signed up for a Google voicemail number and said, hey, this is really easy to do. So we're going to do the reaction line. Robbie just informed me before we came on the air that Sons of Saturday tweeted about this maybe at the end of August. And I literally had no idea about that. So I just want to make that clear. Um, and even if we did steal it from them, they would have been stealing it from the solid verbal. So we're all stealing things. <laughs> yes. I had to, I had to, just so, uh, you didn't get like a, a cold tweet out of like, uh, somewhere in the cyberspace. I was, I had to mention to Pete, I said, Hey, you know, that they mentioned this like on August 30th. He was like, mentioned what? I was like, uh, that they're going to be doing this. So it was, and we've hey. talked to those guys not too long ago. And yeah. I, so we definitely know ill will and, uh, we can both do it. If they decide to end up following through and getting a line going, we can both get, get plenty of calls. Drunk people uh, can hang up calling uh, one and then call the <laughs> other. It'll be, it'll be beautiful. But without further ado, we're going to play those calls for you right now. Just if you have kids in the car or whatever, you might want some earmuffs because there's a little bit of bad language in some of these. I'm, I'm reading things about Grant Wells, bro. Wells just throwing darts. Wells, look at Grant Wells. Really? Grant Wells, I'm sorry, is not a good quarterback. He's an FCS quarterback at best, period, end of discussion. Yeah, Grant Wells' stats are deceiving. Just very inaccurate, sailed a lot of balls, and it's blummered for a wide-open touchdown. Just not good, man. He's serviceable. At best, he can be a game manager. Huskies, first thing. Oh, that third quarter. It was so boring. The only thing sexy about it is the end of this phone number ends with 69. I just don't get it, man. Our expectations have completely gone to shit. And I just, I just can't do it anymore. Okay. Hey, 2D, this is Devin. How y'all doing? Glad to hear y'all on the airwaves again. Only comments I have to add about Virginia Tech football is I'm just surprised that some people are surprised that our offense is this bad because they clearly haven't been watching the same type of football I've been watching for the last few years. Not shocked at all that our offense is struggling. Wasn't shocked at all that we lost ODU. Disappointed, yes. Surprised, no. What's the line? Uh, no matter where you go, there you are. It doesn't matter what coach we have. The same anemic offensive tendencies show up. And I, I don't see where this program is going to get dramatically better at this point. Okay, first thing. In better news, though, there's a brewery that opened in Christiansburg, VA, on 5 Roanoke Street. For any of you 2D listeners who are in the NRV area, either living or visiting, it's called Iron Tree. Uh, I was glad to see they still had the shandy on the menu. I know fall is coming. I love fall, but I do get sad when the shandies go away. Pete, Robbie, got a great business venture for you. We're going to start a hedge fund, and all we do is bet the Hokies to hit the fucking under on any double-digit line ever because they've never popped one, not one. All right, think about it. I'll be looking forward to hearing your next podcast episode. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that. 
if you notice, there were some that kept saying first down or touchdown Hokies. That was one of my buddies who just kept calling the line during the game. But some of those reactions were pretty good. Some people had a more even kill. Our buddy Devin called the line, and he said, I don't know why people are surprised about this offense. I thought, yeah, of course. I said to you before we got started, I said, was that Joey just calling in repeatedly? I came, I, I, I think my wife was like, hey, you guys have a phone number now? I think I said, yeah. He mentioned something about that. I think she said, is anybody going to call it? I was like, well, I'm pretty sure some people are going to put down some bourbon. And to that end, the podcast is Virginia Tech, Hokies Under the Influence. And there are a couple people on there that definitely, definitely put down some wild turkey or some bourbon or something. And I appreciate every moment of it because Absolutely. it is hilarious. I love That's what we wanted. <laughs> I love when the speech slows down a little bit and everybody's just like, you know, in, in a game that we win, we still find ways to be pissed off. And it's so hilarious. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to comment on is the one guy I referred to like some of the commentary on, on Grant Wells, like he's throwing darts. Well, I tweeted that. I'm the one that said Grant Wells is throwing some darts. And just because he was throwing some passes with some high velocity, which he completed 26 passes in the game, it, that doesn't mean that I think he's good. It was merely a reaction to the fact that he was putting some balls on the money with some really good speed, which I would call throwing some darts. It wasn't, <laughs> I wouldn't read anything more into it than that. <laughs> by definition, throwing, throwing darts. I also... The business venture to uh, for for Virginia Tech uh, on the yeah. on the you know betting against the Hokies basically <laughs> yeah well whenever we're double digit uh, double digit spreads I I think I'm down for that I think we could start a hedge fund and and make that happen so the business proposition is well in my mind and uh, we'll come up with a good name for it and I said to Robbie you know that game started at 11 a.m. and people wanted to call and some of them sounded a little inebriated. I can only imagine what's going to happen during and after the WVU game, which starts at night. Make sure you call 540-251-2169. That's 540-251-2169 if you want to get in on the reaction line this Thursday night because we, we definitely want those reactions on Thursday. Yeah, those are going to be – there's going to be a lot more editing for Pete to do <laughs> on that one, I think is my guess. I tried to get all the calls in there. And so like, and splice them up and stuff. Cause I couldn't, some, some of the calls were long. Yes. <laughs> so so I, I just cut up the best parts that I could, but yeah, if, if we get more calls, it could be a little bit of a challenge, but I was laughing the whole time I was messing around with that thing. Yeah. We're going to have to, if, if, if we actually do start getting some calls, particularly for the, the mayhem that is this upcoming Thursday night, we're going to have to go by quality. So you got to bring your, your best stuff. Uh, and that's what I'm excited about. I loved all the calls though. They're amazing. All right, let's get into the game recap. This won't take very long. It was a slow start. We kicked two field goals to begin the scoring, but added 14 points on two long drives before the half to make it a nice, comfortable 20 to nothing. And I felt pretty satisfied, especially with the way Grant Wells played. Then we had zero points in the third and started putting a lot of our backups in the game by the time we scored our last touchdown. That one was on the wheel route to Bryce Duke, and that was really nice. But unfortunately, we gave up a touchdown to Wofford. It was their first score of the season before letting the clock wind down, and we won the game 27-7. to I'd say the story of the game was just the vanilla game plan and how boring it was. Did you have any other stories of the game? Um, I already hit on the wide receivers seeing the field. Um, we had yeah, Blue. the depth building. Yeah, yeah, Blue had the four catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. Um 
Gallo had five for 52. Moss had five catches for 50 yards. And Gosnell had three for 43 yards, which is pretty good. I mean, that's, you know, spreading it around a bit. Uh, the third quarter was hilarious, I think, as as our caller mentioned. Um, and that that was it. It, it looked like uh, a game where the only focus going in, if there was like a whiteboard, it was just like, Wells throw balls to new receivers. Mm-hmm. Underline, mm-hmm. underline, let's go Hokies, like underneath it. That was it. That, it doesn't, that was the only thing that was really planned for that game. And anyway, let's honestly, the defense, even the defense, this Wofford team cannot pass the ball. They are incapable almost of, impassing, of passing the ball. Our defense is not probably as lights out as maybe the stats are showing right now, but they're good. And somehow Wofford was completing passes on us. There, it, it was, and they would have completed more if the receivers could catch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So my takeaway in my sober state watching this game was very unemotional, and just this team was focused on getting Grant Wells throws to new receivers, getting them on the field, and staying healthy for WVU. That was it. Yeah, it wasn't so much about scoring the football. Like, we were going between the 20s quite a bit. He had 228 passing yards in the first half, but we were only up 20 to nothing. And then we put up, what, was it 475 for the entire game? Yeah, I think that's right. And usually you end up with more than 27 points if if that's the amount of yardage that you're putting up. So it, it it was a scrimmage. Like, the coaches treated it like a scrimmage. I thought Wells... I thought he looked pretty good. He threw two touchdowns and no picks. No picks in the last game. 74% completion. His best QBR of the season. Another opponent adjusted stat. So we're he's gotten and played better each week, which is what we want to see. Yeah. I do think one of the callers said an anemic offense. I do think it is a little bit strange about kind of the red zone offense success and, and what happened when we had scoring opportunities not to be able to convert on all of those because if even if you're in the scrimmage, they were moving the ball really well between the 20s and then all of a sudden kind of, you know, things seem to sputter a little bit is the best way to put it. That gives me a little bit of pause against an opponent like this um, because it was not, it wasn't consistently just not great. It seemed like there was a little bit there. So we'll find out here pretty quickly against WVU or, or maybe we won't if, uh, if WV's defense plays the way it has been. In terms of the overall takeaways, the lack of a run game was partially by design, but still getting stuffed on that fourth and one due to a blown assignment, having running for 3.2 yards per carry. Like we should be able to do a little bit better than this when we, and we talked about Holston and his general ineffectiveness and not really a need for him to get carries down the line and King didn't play. And so this was a chance to, to save some of our better legs uh, for the, for the other games. And so Holston and black, a guy who's still building up and learning the game, uh, they got the bulk of the carries and it, it didn't go that well. Yep. I'm also um, a little bit worried about the offensive line and trying to understand what is happening there. So I spent a little bit of time today thinking about it. With Joe Rudolph coming in, we know Joe Rudolph is a good coach. He has a track record that demonstrates what he's done. 
um, you know, for for many years with offensive lines. So I kind of came up with three things that could be happening. Is it is it just a talent issue? Number one, is it the type of player that we've recruited in that doesn't fit Rudolph's system? Two or three, is his scheme so different? that it's requiring more time for the offensive linemen to figure it out uh, and takes time for them to develop into it. I suspect the answer may have a little bit of the other two, but number two I think is probably what makes the most rational sense for me is Rudolph probably has a type of guy that he wants to bring in an offensive line and he's dealing with, you know, he's playing – He's playing chess with maybe some checkers pieces that don't really fit what he was trying to do is the only thing I can come up with. But there's something missing there, and it has not helped the run game either. I think the guys are old enough and talented enough that it's not number one, Mm -hmm. meaning just like the talent of the guys. We know we don't have depth, but I think the talent of the guys up front is good enough. It's it's two and three. It's maybe the guys are square pegs and round holes, and the fact that they're trying to get up to speed on the scheme and it's been a little bit more challenging for them in the way they have to pull and block and all the various things that you have to do. So, yeah, and it's disappointing because that was the one position group where we had the most faith in the coach and that we know this position group has a backstop of only being this bad because the coach is very good and we have a little bit of talent. And it's been pretty much the weakest thing we got going other than maybe wide receiver. Yeah. And so we need better out of the O-line. I'm hoping every single time these guys are taking virtually every snap of the season together, all five of them, that they one day it's just going to click. Yeah. And I'm hoping that day is Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that would be good timing. <laughs> yeah. Defensively, like you mentioned, I don't think there's a whole lot to even say about this game. I mean, it was cool to see McCray and Nelson both get a sack again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're sitting right at fourth in yards per play nationally, still very high up in the third down conversion rate. The defense has the the potential to to really put a hurting on JT Daniels this weekend, and and we're going to need them too. I think. Uh, I, I just don't want to. We didn't even scheme our defensive guys at all. Yeah, like that was just like go out there, play play a little bit of football, and and we're going to get out of here. Yeah, they got to get the they got to make sure that they get the pressure up and convert those into sacks on JT Daniels though. I think that we had three sacks in this game. Two of them came on those back to back plays. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but uh, Chamari Connor had a really good game, um, led the team in, in tackles and solo tackles and was tied with uh, Jalen Stroman. So um, Dax continues to, to shine uh, in his gap fits and tackle pretty well. So I think at this point we can feel like, you know, we're comfortable that even if Dax has an off game or some regression, that it still won't be anything persistent for the rest of the season. So we got that some good comfort, the three games in at that point. So, uh, and then um, special teams was good again. So that, that was another. Will Ross, dude, that, I love this kid so far. He's knocking through those 40-yard field goals. That's not easy to do for a college kicker. Yeah, two for two, and he had a long of 46 yards and more is living up to the preseason hype. He had, he averaged 48 yards on his three punts and had a long of 58. Uh, DJ Harvey was catching punts uh, because he yes, listened. He finally. listened to Pete. Uh, obviously, Pete is our special teams coach. Uh, Kagavitsa's got one too, I think. Yes, I think so. But they were not hitting the ground and bouncing. So that, I love to see that. Let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. 
We talk about them every week. The two best beer stores in the DMV. I said they got stickers at Dominion, but they also have an incredible selection of craft beers, both on tap and on the shelves. The wine is also great. If you're, maybe you like wine. Maybe that's what you want to drink during the Hookies game. But I know your wife or significant other definitely likes wine. Make sure to head to Downtown Crown and Dominion Wine and Beer for all of your alcohol needs this football season. And right now, Robbie, I need to know what you're drinking. So Two Roads has now released a juicy IPA, non-alcoholic beer. Most people know, I believe, Two Roads at this point. I think they're pretty pretty well known. I mean, they've put out yeah, a definitely. ton of beers um, over the years. They're in Connecticut. Um, and this is amazing. It's a really, really good juicy IPA. This might be, and I think it is better than the Sam Adams Hazy IPA, which was my number one IPA, non-alcoholic IPA. And this just came out, I believe, at least it got in stores near me, the beer store down the street, like a week ago. So very nice. My selection continues to expand, which is awesome for the football season. Nice. You want me to do mine and then you do your other one? Uh, I'll do my other one right before picks. How about that? I'll actually do a second second, uh, break for that one. Sweet. I am drinking the Paradox Brewery Get Off My Lawn. Listeners, they sent this to us. Pam and Charlie Stock were kind enough to throw some beer in the mail. It even came in a little styrofoam cooler in a in a package that arrived at my door. So, Charlie and Pam, thank you so much. This Paradox Brewery is located up in the Adirondacks, way up in Hudson, New York. It's it's almost in Canada. And the beer is really good. I love a good amber lager. It's 4.5% alcohol. This thing is going down real smooth. And I love the name, Get Off My Lawn. I think Charlie even might have given us one of the nominations for a beer of the year, which we never got back to because we didn't really get enough nominations. But because Charlie sent us this, this is the 2022 Hokies Beer of the Year. Nice. Paradox Brewing, American Amber Lager, Get off my lawn. That's perfect. We both are homeowners, so uh, it fits our you know, crotchety personalities now. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and this is the second time that they have sent us beer, I believe. They sent us beer the first time like five years right. ago, I believe, or four years ago. I think you are you are correct. And I wanted to give a shout out. Their son, Brendan, is a freshman at Virginia Tech right now, and their son, Chris, is currently deployed in Iraq. He was a VT cadet. So shout out to those guys. And Chris... Thank you for your service. All right, Robbie, it's time to preview this West Virginia game. Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. So we're even on the mothership. This is like an old school Thursday night game. Virginia Tech, West Virginia, in Lane. We haven't had them in Blacksburg since 2004. So we were both still in school when the last game happened. I'm sure we were both there. Yes. So uh, a couple things on that. I, I had this thought today. So... Now that um, the the Big Ten is going fully with Fox, right? There or CBS, right? None of their games will be on ESPN. Uh, so I have this inclination and this thought in my brain that ESPN is starting to pull out like the cannons, like the heavy duty stuff, and bring <laughs> back games that people actually give a shit about, right? So we just had uh, Pitt WVU. Now we have the Black Diamond Trophy. I feel like they're going to use rivalries and like some of the old school matchups and things that people love as a way to make sure that they people know it's still ESPN. But that's just my guess. I, I hope you're right. And because it really is weird to almost have a good 
Thursday night college football game. And I know that we're biased because we think watching Virginia Tech is good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the national audience agrees, but this was something that they would do all the time back in the mid 2000s, late 90s was put Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Miami, like a lot of the up and coming football schools would get these Thursday night spots, ranked matchups on Thursday night. Like they were big games. And so it's, it is really fun to have the backyard brawl back. And now to bring the black diamond trophy back to ESPN on a Thursday night, it is the team I hate the most. I think I really hate Miami. I don't like Pitt. I I would say I probably hate them too, but when we were in school, I hated West Virginia and I still hate West Virginia. It's faded a bit, not having to play them all the time. But man, losing to them last year the way we did, I'm feeling that feeling it boil up inside me, Robbie. <laughs> I think people might uh, hear a little more energy in my voice because this, I've said it before, I know it's blasphemy, but I don't care. The UVA game, I don't care that much about anymore. Like that, the this game, honestly, WVU was huge when we were like in school i mean this was i know a lot of people that went to wv i still know a lot of like wv yeah, fans and they care a hell of a lot more about football than the uva fans i know and that's what makes it makes it good and they'll talk smack my neighbor went to wvu and she'll still this is before these games were like scheduled when i first moved in like five years ago And it wasn't even like a thought in the mind. She was like talking trash about Virginia Tech. I was like, this is what I like. Give me this. Yeah. Yeah. And the beauty of it is, man, I'm going on Thursday. I cannot wait. I secured a ticket for my friend Phil. They had a group of people going down and they ended up with an extra one I could get. And uh, I was at the last one, as we just mentioned, in 04. And I'm back for this one. And it's (laughs) a lot has changed in my life and in in my weight and the way I look and all those things. But. The rivalry's back, and I can't wait. <laughs> a lot has t- changed about uh, Virginia Tech football over that time frame. <laughs> That's also true. That is also true. So this year, West Virginia is one and two. They're coached by Neil Brown, and he's had a bit of an up and down tenure. Mostly just a five hundred tenure. They're eighteen and twenty overall while he's been there. Eleven and seventeen in Big Twelve play. So not a good record in, in conference and six and seven last year. So we lost to them last year. They only won five other games the entire season. Uh, they started off this year losing a pit. Probably a lot of us watched that game. It was a really good game. They lost by seven. They lost to Kansas a week later in a game that ended 55 to 42. Yes, Kansas scored 55 points on them. Now, one of those was a pick six in overtime. So Kansas actually won by two scores in overtime because of the way that ended. So that's a little inflated, but yeah, they lost to Kansas at home. Yes. So I've taken my eye off the ball because I figured Neil Brown was going to do well there. And the I haven't really been paying attention to their seasons and their wins and losses. So when I went to go do my research, the post was, well, it looks like Neil Brown's officially got himself fired by losing to Kansas. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. Didn't he just get there? I guess it's his third season, and that happened pretty quickly. But it has not gone very well. In particular, in-conference play has not gone very well. That said, those are two tough losses. That pit loss was a close game, a great game if you watched it. You and I both did because uh, it was one of the first first games and they played well for a lot of that game. Exactly. And 
Uh, then the Kansas game was tough. They took it to OT. Like, Kansas' offense is good. So they have a legit offense this year. Their defense is trash, but their offense is good. And they went to overtime, and they lost there. So they are a score away from, you know, being 3-0 and versus 1-2. and They've caught some bad breaks on those games. And one of those, that loss to Pitt, that pass from JT Daniels was on the money. It hit the receiver in the hands and then got picked. I think that's right. That's not. Uh, oh the yeah, case. the pick six. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. so uh, that pass was like perfect. So what what are you gonna what are you gonna do on that? But um, their offense played well. Their defense is really what's let them down in those games. Yeah, they also did beat Towson sixty-five to seven. Yes, which I I tweeted out after our game. I don't I don't know why I do these things sometimes. It was kind of just like a this is what you should do to an FCS team. All I did was say what the score was. But would it make me feel better if we had whipped Wofford 65 to 7? Probably. But it wouldn't matter. It still wouldn't matter going into this game. Yeah. And then beating Towson by that much doesn't matter either. You like stirring the pot. So I know, you I you know. stirred oh. the pot after right after the Wofford game which I was alluding to early in the podcast which was you were fired up. Obviously, you had a few drinks in you, and uh, yes. it, uh, yeah, you were you were not very happy about. I our was just trades. frustrated, yes. you know, because you you want. We thought we might be able to finally beat an FCS team and like kind of crush them because Wofford just really isn't good, yeah. and we still didn't do it. Yep. Now this was this was beyond the Fuente vanilla game plan. This was to a different level, but we've already covered that. Yeah. WVU is 58th in the SP+. I said earlier we're 61, so it's very close in SP+. They have the 42nd-ranked offense and the 72nd-ranked defense. So like you just mentioned, their defense is the one that's kind of letting them down this year. They're 11th in scoring offense in the country after that 65 spot on Towson. 46 points per game for West Virginia, but 104th in scoring defense. So... That scoring margin, not all completely fair because th- different things went into that, but that gives you a better idea of what where they're at, I think. Like, their their defense really isn't very good. Yeah, their defense is... It's 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 tough because um, their offense is pretty good. It's pretty efficient. Their defense is bad, but our f- offense is not very good. And, yeah, it's strength on strength. So that's, that's kind of... It's going to come down... Uh, a lot to whether the defense can can hold these guys back. And uh, it all starts for them under center with JT Daniels. JT Daniels, who was at USC and then went to Georgia and is now at WVU in this crazy day of college football that we have. Uh, but he has not with been his in. old OC, correct? Yes, isn't Graham Harrell the OC? Yeah, and he has, but he hasn't been a full time starter. Like started a season since 2018 when he was at USC because uh, he's gotten beaten out and he has had some injury problems and just all sorts of stuff that's going on for him. He's having a nice year though. Mm-hmm. If you look at his advanced stuff, he's 70 in QBR and 140 rating. That's significantly better than Wells is putting up, and I think. If you inserted him into the ACC, he'd be in the top five in quarterbacks. Like he has some really nice rating, sixty-four percent completion, six touchdowns, just two picks. Added another rush TD. He's not a runner, which we always like to see that. And against Pitt, he had a one hundred and thirteen rating, so it was significantly low. We know that Pitt has a good defense. 
But I also think that that rating could have been worse. If you watch that game, he was throwing up some prayers and Ford Wheaton was pulling him down. Yes. And yeah, hence why Ford Wheaton is is leading the team in, with yards. So yeah, he has gotten lucky. I would say he is pretty efficient, obviously experienced, but he should be given he's seen three different campuses and been around now going on five years of college football or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And I'll say in that Pitt game, Pitt had just three sacks, which that's a decent amount of sacks, but Pitt added seven more hurries. There were so many times where they almost brought Daniels down and he threw up one of those prayers and then it got completed and it kept them in the game. And so with our defense, I think if we could get home on a few more than Pitt could, it could really change the dynamic of the game. But to round out their players, we talked about Ford Wheaton. He's a big receiver. They got another big receiver in Prather. Uh, he's 6'4", 211, 14 receptions for 151. Six of those receptions did come against Towson, but he's putting up some production. And then they have Sam James, who's been around for a little bit. He's got 11 receptions on the year for almost 200 yards and a 17.6 average. So going down the field, Sam James, a little bit of a smaller guy, is someone we'll have to watch out for. But they got experience. They got good options at wide receiver. And then they bring in this big boy running the football. Yeah, I was going to say Sam James, we got to watch because he's got anybody with two first names is automatically on my <laughs> hit list. Um, but they're, was I reading this right? So they're running the ball. CJ Donaldson uh, has mm-hmm. been running well. He's a tight end listed on ESPN for them. And uh, he's listed as a tight end multiple places, yes, but he's running the football. He's running the football. I, I, at first, I started jotting down my receiving notes because he's at the top of the list on the rushing, and it screwed everything up. But he is leading the team with 274 yards on 29 attempts and has six touchdowns. Uh, he's only caught three passes. This is the most bizarre thing that I've seen in a while, but it's happening. It sounds like he's a fullback and not a tight yes. end. Like, because he's blocking, but he's also rushing, so that's a fullback. He's A.J. Dillon. Dillon size he's 6'2 240 and rushing for almost 10 yards a carry this this is scaring me and it should scare Dax (laughs) I'm hoping I'm hoping our linebackers are ready to plug some holes man because this guy's going to be coming they also have Tony Mathis he's a a little bit of a smaller back at just 207 but he's starting to break out a little bit too he's got 234 yards after being behind Letty Brown for so many years He's finally getting his chance to play a little bit as well. So they got the big back. They got the more prototypical back. They got the receivers, and they got a solid quarterback. Like This offense can play. Yeah, and it's relatively balanced from a total yards perspective. Um, they run the ball about 60% of the time. So it, it's a pretty balanced attack between uh, both JT Daniels and, and the, running, uh, the running core they have. They've been – somewhat efficient with the the ball they had the two interceptions one of them was a tip that i mentioned earlier and the the other was um a really bad throw that the db made a nice play on and they have two fumbles i think prather had a fumble in the game so they've got four turnovers on the year i think they may have gotten four turnovers as well so they're about net even on turnover margin or roughly net even on turnover margin for the year but they're they're, they're efficient, and they obviously put up a, a bunch of points, and they have a lot of weapons uh, across all of that. And I, a good O-line, too. Yeah, exactly. I will say that their, their wide receiver depth falls off pretty 
pretty precipitously at uh, after Prather. If you look at it, their wide receiver spread of the ball is almost exactly what Virginia Tech's look like right now in terms of who's gotten catches. Uh, that said, uh, their their high flyers, Ford Wheaton and James and Prather, have been have been more productive on the top end. Yeah, they they got a little bit better guys. Yes, and guys who can get open and can't really catch the football. I'm worried about those tall receivers in the red zone and whatnot on our on our DBs, but that at least we have a strong secondary, we have a strong defense, and we can kind of go one to one. You know, they're, they're strong offense versus our strong defense. Let's see who wins. And then on the flip side, it's going to be the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a crapshoot. So they run a four-two-five, uh, I believe, and giving up uh, about two hundred and eight yards per the game per through the air which is, I think, sixty about 60th, 61st in the country, 119 on the ground, which is 51st in the country. And uh, the pass defense has been, has been better um, in some... It's been, it's been strange. If you read up on this, it's been a, each game has been a little bit different. So in Kansas, it seemed like the run game was given up a lot. Before that, everybody was pissed off because the back end and their DBs were really blowing a lot of assignments and weren't doing it. But they're ranked 82nd overall in SP defense, like you said, and the defense is is, is struggling. And uh, Neil Brown has said as much that they need to sure things up, and they felt like they started to make some progress. Granted, it was against Towson. They didn't bring a lot of starters back this year on defense. I think it was just three, and six of their top nine tacklers left in the offseason. So they they had to replace a lot. And it's definitely being reflected in the pass efficiency stats. They're 97th in opposing passer rating. And they're 46th in rush average allowed. So right down the middle. You, I think you said 51 in the total, yeah. 46 in the average. Like They're better at defending the run, I think. Yeah. I think. Because two of the starters that they brought back were on the D-line, including Stills. I was glad that they got rid of Mesidor. Mesidor hit the portal, and he's on Miami now, so we'll deal with him later. But he was a disruptive force. Stills is good. Uh, he he kind of surprised everyone coming back this year. Three tackles for loss so far, two and a half sacks, a hurry, a forced fumble. They got Alston on the other side, Jordan Jefferson, Sean Martin. This is it's a decent line. It's probably the best of the three groups. Yes. Um the the JUCO kid, Lee Koba. Yeah. I think that's how it's pronounced. Lee Koba. He leads them in tackles. But he ended up like this circuitous path in college. He was at Syracuse. Then he went to East Mississippi Community College, the one from Last Chance U. Mm-hmm. He was there. And then he ended up at the real Last Chance U, which is West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, so it's been crazy. So they're allowing a ton of third down conversions, which has really put them in a bind. And the linebacking crew has been – everybody had really high expectations for these guys, led by – Koba is how you would pronounce it. He's supposed to be like a freak of nature, but has not lived up to expectations yet, on the, at least on the field, from what I've been reading about and, and from the, the game recaps. So they had really high expectations for um, that middle in the four two five, and it has not really shown up on the field yet. So let's hope that they don't pick this week to really uh, you know hit stride and, and start playing up to the expectations that everybody had going into the year. You probably noticed this too, but when I was looking at who their top tacklers are this year, it was a bunch of safeties. Yep. 
and they that's partially because of the system they run but it's also partially because they're not that good <laughs> so if your dbs and safeties are your top tacklers like that's never a good thing yeah. and that's what's happened with wvu overall i'd say the defense as we've already mentioned it's it's very average if not subpar and in particular the secondary so is this finally going to be a chance for Grant Wells to maybe come in and really have a breakout game. Yeah, I think it it should be because um, I was on, what is it, the, um, what is it, the Smoking Musket, I think it is, is the, the website for WVU. And I think one of the quotes was, this is the worst secondary that I've ever seen. Like, not like... <laughs> And we all we all jump the shark sometimes when we're talking about our own team and we're a little oh, bit a little bit angry. But it was like this is the worst secondary I've ever seen. So I'm hopeful that Grant Wells can put up some numbers. I'm hopeful that we now have some wide receiver depth that has generated a little bit of a connection between wide receiver and quarterback that can show up and it's not just two guys. So if it's if it's not going to happen here it's going to be tough sledding to have it happen over the next um, few games that we have as the schedule starts to really heat up here because this defensive secondary is is suspect. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it's a matchup Wells should should be able to exploit. And I was thinking about this when when I was seeing my pick against Oregon go up in smoke. Grant Wells is Bo Nix like in the way that there's good Bo Nix and there's very bad Bo Nix. And that's what Grant Wells is. He's boom or bust, and we don't know which one is going to show up. We're hoping that he kind of got it out of his system against ODU and that he's built his confidence up slowly, got a little bit of a better rapport with some of the receivers, and now West Virginia, he can let it rip against what could be the poorest secondary outside of Wofford that he'll play. I mean, BC's got a pretty solid secondary. ODU's isn't bad. And this one is pretty bad. So he sh- he should be able to put up yards and points. Well, that's where my mind went after I did the research on WVU because it started to click for me uh, what we tried to do against Wofford. If you were really trying to treat that as a prep game, which it, it was for WVU, you, you just prepped. There's this whole thought process around don't show stuff on film that you're not going to do it in the game. We're not even there yet. Like, we're not even, we're not <laughs> playing that kind of 4D chess right now. Brent Prize trying to put a team on the field that can, like, win a game. And, but if you were trying to, you know, really prepare Wells and the receivers for what's going to happen in this WVU game, you would have scripted it exactly like what we just saw. So yep. that started to make a little bit more sense for me when I put two and two together on that front. In this game, I think getting King back will obviously help quite a bit. I'm nervous about getting the yards in the run game because the one thing they have, I think, is some good defensive linemen. We've struggled to get a push. So King's going to really have to break tackles and knife through holes if we're going to have a good night running the football. And I think Wells escaping the pocket and some design runs for him is the other way we're going to get some rush yards. But I also think the tight ends, and in particular Blumrick, is going to have to have a big role if we're going to win this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, if he does, it, it, now 
if the offensive line is able to get a push, if we are able to string together some runs, we should be in a really good spot against this defense. If that if that's possible and we're able, if the offensive line is able to find this week to really click, that's going to put us into a really nice spot of having a dual threat against this defense and make you know the strength of their defense susceptible to the run and only further you know open up the pass game for for wells and those receivers it's going to be a slugfest though right yes this is this is going to be a three and a half hour stomach ache tight game fight to the finish i think and whoever makes the big plays the turnovers the pick sixes the special teams return the block kicked like that's who's going to end up winning the game it's not going to be a lot of points it's going to be similar to odu like 2017 17 16 something like that but I think our crowd and how electric Lane's going to be for this thing is going to be the difference. JT Daniels, as you hinted at earlier, he hasn't played like a ton of football for how old he is because of injuries, because of moving around. I don't know how many environments he's seen that are going to be like Lane on Thursday night. No, I mean, he played at USC. What <laughs> He walked in, there was what, you know, six people in the Rose Bowl when they played and, there. And he did play at Georgia, yes. so he's had to see some environments that were crazy. Yeah, right? but he didn't play a whole lot at Georgia mm-hmm. either. So, yes, he was on some of that time on the sideline, you know, watching it. So, yes, I don't think it's going to shock him. I do think that he may be surprised by how loud it is because I don't, People within the ACC know what they're getting in kind of a night game where it's rowdy and mm-hmm. lane. I don't think he has any understanding of kind of what that would be like or has any anticipation, especially since he's coming from the SEC. And WVU hasn't had the benefit of coming here lately. Like they haven't been here in, yeah. in 15 years. So I think the pressure that we're going to dial up, like Brent Pry is going to be bringing heat a lot. And He's going to be putting his DBs on islands to an extent. Maybe we double cover Ford Wheaton or something, but a lot of the guys are going to be trusted in single-man coverage. And the noise and the pressure, I think, could rattle Daniels. Now, I know he he did show some poise in that pick game, and that was on the road, but Heinz Field, half of the fans being from WVU, that's not Lane Stadium on Thursday night. Like that, That's just not. So I think that's going to swing the game. Like I think the crowd... The way the SP Plus puts it, they're saying Tech 25-24. Wow. And I think it's going to be – it might not be one point, but I think it's going to be on the leg of Will Ross. It's going to be last-minute something, uh, like I was talking about with potential turnovers, whatever. But the pressure, the noise, all that's going to play into us winning a tight game. That's what I'm thinking. Well, yeah. I mean, with 25 – you said 25 – or 24. 24 was the how they had the score. Yes. Oh my goodness. So, um, and home field advantage is what two points. So he's probably baking in there. So this thing is truly a coin flip game. If, uh, you know, neutral site, they may be favored and at home we're favored. Right. The line I think right now is WVU two and a half point favorites. I, it was three last year when we went to WVU and we really could have won that game. We all know how that ended. And so if it's under three, I mean, this is, it's a coin flip. Like that's, that's what this is. We'll take a little bit of that edge with the home crowd, I think. Um, And a lot of the advanced stuff says it's, it's really even. So 
I, I cannot wait to see how this thing plays out. Obviously, I want to win so, so badly. But the nice thing about playing a night game is that I will get that entire day in Blacksburg to just enjoy, see some old friends, drink some beer. You know, it's that's the nice thing is I don't have to be disappointed at two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon when my team blows it on a Saturday. I get all day to enjoy Thursday night and hopefully we can pull off the win. What you're hearing, folks, is Pete's going to call our own line and leave a voicemail <laughs> after this game. And it's going to be like, you're not even going to understand any of the audio. It's be indiscernible what he is actually saying. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll have turkey in my mouth as well as I'm, <laughs> as I'm trying to. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be drinking a beer in the stadium for the first time ever because I haven't been in the lane since they got the beer. Mm-hmm. So I'm pumped about that. I'm going to have to get a turkey leg, get my hands all nice and greasy. Won't be able to dial the phone anyway, but I, it's going to be, it's going to be, you bring up the beer thing. It actually hit me the first time during the Wofford game. They got over to this guy in the stands. Did you see this with like the Bud Light and who's doing like, you know, like the drunk guy standing up, nobody else is standing, like shaking the (laughs) butt. And it wasn't until that moment that I was like, oh yeah, you can, you can get beer in Lane Stadium now. And it was because this drunk guy just like waving his Bud Light That's all over so the place. Funny. I missed that on the broadcast. I think they That's try hilarious. and, especially for the college games, I think they try and like avoid doing that. But yeah. the the camera crew was so bad for the Wofford game. It looked like it was, they weren't even on the right player. The, it got better as the game, but mm-hmm. the early parts of the game were horrific. Like it was all over the I'm place. I'm really happy that this game is on ESPN and it's like prime time and it's really the only game on because I felt like the cameras for ODU and the cameras for this past game, like it's looks so washed out on my TV and I've changed TVs and I'm just like, I just don't know if we're like getting the best broadcast (laughs) when when they're airing these ACC network Hokies games. But this game should be in crystal clear HD. I can't, I can't wait to rewatch it because I'm going to actually be seeing it in full HD, which is being there in person. Right. So I'm, I'm excited. Let's move on to the picks. But before that, Robbie, what's your other beer? Uh, I have a non-alcoholic hazy IPA. This one is from Harpoon Brewing Company. Mm. So we're bringing this one out of Boston now, which is uh, pretty exciting. I drank a whole bunch of when I went to grad school at BC uh, and all my families from the Boston area. I drank a whole bunch of harpoon beer while I was up there. This one is called open league. Uh, I think is that's gotta be, is that a reference to like a a hockey league, like a beer league? Maybe I don't know. Bowling league. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's just a random name. Very good. A lot of, um, yeah, it says the buzzer beater on it. Uh, open league. And, Oh, okay. So it's like, Oh, it's, it's like open gym for basketball. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't know what that has to do with non-alcoholic beer, but that's neither here nor there. So it is delicious. ton of flavor in this one. Uh, I've gotten hit up by some people, uh, much to this May, of people that have told us that nobody cares about non-alcoholic beer, saying that they enjoy non-alcoholic beer because they can't drink anymore, they have medical issues, or whatever the case may be. This one is good. Try it out. It's also new. Just showed up for the first time in my beer store today when I went to go pick up some beers. So give it a shot. If you can't or do not drink, um, otherwise enjoy your alcoholic goodness. Yeah. And a lot of these big name breweries, another one in Harpoon and what was the two roads earlier, yeah. they're all putting out a non-alcoholic. Yeah. They, they, they keep coming out. So the market is I'm actually growing. drinking. Yeah. 
I'm actually drinking the second beer that Pam and Charlie sent. They sent two beers. They sent the Get Off My Lawn, and they sent the Drop Zone, which is a Hellas Lager. This is also very good. I think I like the Get Off My Lawn better, but thank you so much again to Charlie and Pam for sending these two beers. Paradox Brewing, Drop Zone. It is also tasty, 6%, but I think I'm going to give a slightly higher rating to this Get Off My Lawn. That one is really, really good. Let's do these picks, Robbie. Run them off real quick. UVA at Syracuse. UVA struggling, man. Syracuse, 10-point favorites at home in the Dome. Yeah. I'm going to go UVA because of that ODU game and a bounce back, but I've heard, I have not watched their games, that the Syracuse offense is fun again. Yeah, I think it's fun, and their defense is solid, but because they just won on that Hail Mary or end-of-the-game touchdown, that game was so crazy against Purdue, I'll go with UVA to cover. Clemson at Wake Forest. This is a big game, ranked matchup. Wake seven point underdogs at home. This could decide the Atlantic this year. Yeah, I think Clemson's going to get up for this game um, because you know Wake is coming off of you know last year an awesome year for them, and uh, this would be Clemson. Do they have a ranked matchup yet? Do they have a big game first game of the year now? Right? No, they played Georgia Tech. Yeah, so they haven't had a big matchup. This is it, and I think this is when. Uh, Dabo is going to make his his seal of we're actually got a good team this year. The Death Star, man. Yep. It's coming. I, I'm going to take Clemson as well, although the how tight this spread is does concern me. Like just seven points that you don't normally, even though it's an ACC game and they're ranked like, usually this is a double-digit spread, two touchdowns. So that does make me nervous. But with the way Wakes look, they just they haven't been that impressive so far. I'm going to go with Clemson to cover. Yep. Duke at Kansas. Kansas is at home, and they are nine-point favorites. When was the last time Kansas was a nine-point favorite against anyone? I don't know, but I'm loving it. The Jayhawks are doing something. They are the running. They are Kansas State always got recognition because of what Snyder did there, and Kansas has never gotten any, and it's been a disaster. I'm all here for the Jayhawks. Okay, the, the Utes. I mean, I'm loving it too. Yeah, I I love teams like this coming out of nowhere. I think Kansas is going to regardless of that, I think Kansas, I think the fun stops for Duke this week and Kansas, um, you know, wins by a couple touchdowns. Duke has been blowing up the big spreads. Like not only have they been covering the large spreads that they've been underdogs, but they've been winning. And so I'm taking Duke to win outright in Kansas. I'm taking them to cover for the purpose of the podcast, but I think they can win this game. And I, I think like the Kansas love, I'm I'm just flipping the other way. And you've been right. You've been better than me this season on picking. So That's if you're going to put money on it, you might want to go with Robbie, but I'm going to take Duke. I'm at, I'm at 65% on the year. This is my yeah, best my it, best man. year ever so far. All right, Notre Dame at UNC. UNC one-point underdogs in Chapel Hill. This should be a fun game. Yes. I This one was really hard for me because Notre Dame's season – is already in the tank, right? It's already decimated. It almost, it was worse after last week. They beat Cal, but barely. Yeah, I mean, Cal is not very good. And I heard people talking about the preview of that game. I don't follow Cal very closely. And most people- Cal has no offense. That's what everybody was saying, is that they have no offense. And Notre Dame still almost lost. I I think UNC is going to take them to the woodshed here at home is my is my guess. And I think this is going to officially have this be just a burn-it-down year for Notre Dame and restart next year. Yeah, I, UNC's offense is really good. Like, Drake May can freaking play, man. And I'm going to take them against the spread. I don't, I don't know if it'll get ugly. Notre Dame is still talented. They kept it close with Ohio State, but 
like if you looked at the SP plus, there are only four offenses worse than ours and rated in P five uh, teams that are worse than ours. Four teams. One of them's Cal. Wow. And they almost beat Notre Dame. So uh, yeah, I'm going Notre Dame. BC. Notre Dame's defense is good, so we'll give them give them that. Yeah. So maybe it won't be a blowout. I shouldn't say that. I still think UNC is going to win. Yeah, BC at FSU. FSU huge favorites. At home, 16.5-point favorites down in Tallahassee. BC has no O-line. But FSU had all those injuries against Louisville. Gutty victory by Florida State uh, in Louisville on a Friday night. That was impressive. Uh, And the size of this line, too. Like, FSU does... They're going to get after Jerkovic. Jerkovic's jersey, you saw him when he came to our place. I'll take FSU. I don't love it. Uh, The the line's kind of big. Yeah. I have BC... In this game, this just seems like a perfect spread kind of spoiler uh, for BC, who you know, people just look at it. It's like, oh, BC's trash. This can't be possible. And then somehow they lose by like 10. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. This is one of those games like maybe Zay Flowers goes off for 200 yards and they beat Florida State. Mm-hmm. Like, who knows? But I'm still going to stick with my FSU pick. UF at Tennessee. This is a ranked matchup. Florida hanging around in those rankings. They <laughs> barely squeaked it out against South Florida. Tennessee, 10.5-point favorites at home in, in this rivalry. They've been good, man. Hennon Hooker not throwing any picks, just throwing tons of touchdown passes. If I didn't root for the kid, I might want to die yes. <laughs> watching him play. It's been every, – every game is just another punch in the gut repeatedly. Yeah, man. Uh, I, what are you doing? I have Florida in this game, and okay. I can't tell you why. I just have a feeling – it's a, this is a – this is – Used to be, it was a big matchup between Florida and Tennessee. Then it kind of fell off because Tennessee was hot garbage forever. And now with Tennessee and Hooker leading kind of a little revival here, I think it's going to be a big game and that will keep the game close is my thought process, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to take UF as well because that hook on 10 and a half, like I, I got to go with, with Florida in this rivalry. So next game and last game, Arkansas at Texas A&M. A&M, just another one of these tough games, man. Two-and-a-half-point favorites at home are the Aggies. Arkansas struggled for a while with their old coach, Bobby Petrino, last week. Missouri State almost got that upset. But Arkansas won. They're ranked number 10. I'll I'll go first. I'm going to take Arkansas to win. Uh, And cover, obviously. Nice. Um... I don't know. I don't know how to go against Arkansas. I have to. It's just another one of those teams. Just a gritty offensive line coach. Just you know, he holds he holds the motorcycle coach at bay. And now I think he's going to do this week. He's going to um, he's going to send Jimbo back in his. Uh, well, I guess it's at A and M. So he'll he'll let Jimbo stay home in his cowboy boots and, right. and sulk. So I'm I'm going with Arkansas. Dude, I was, I'm really been like kind of blown away how bad Tyler Van Dyke has looked yes. so far. I know Miami doesn't really have good receivers, but that AM game, that was ripe for Miami to go down there and get a win. Yep. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't pass for anything. Um, they had a bunch of drop passes too, but like Cristobal's game management came into play, the way he coaches his quarterbacks, like the Justin Herbert stuff all started coming back up. And AM got the win. AM's not good. No. 
And it kind of makes me think Miami's not very good. If you want to listen to something and then and laugh, listen to Bud Elliott on the Cover Three podcast talking about Jimbo Fisher and and because obviously Jimbo Fisher, Bud Elliott's a huge FSU guy, knows that knows him coaching in and out about how bad of an offensive coach Jimbo Fisher is, and it's it's to <laughs> it's it's very hilarious to yeah. and they talked about how A and M needed a win. I listened just I was getting caught up because I missed a bunch of stuff when I was out of town about how they needed a win last week because of this murderer's row that A M was about to go on with Arkansas and Alabama and all these games coming up. So um, but if you want to listen about the A and M uh, Aggies, listen to that. It's pretty funny. Yeah, and he he runs this complicated offense that is so outdated, and guys like Josh Heupel like are just one two reads and go for Hendon Hooker and just scoring at will. Like yep. Jimbo can't get the clue. The beauty is um, in simplicity. So yeah, exactly. But uh, but anyway, that's it for the picks. That's it for the podcast. Big week. One of our hate weeks. We had ODU. We got WVU, we got Liberty, and we got UVA. A lot, a lot of hate to go around this year, man. Yeah. Um, I hope we pull off this victory, dude. It would be so sweet to be 3-1 and one after the way that first week went. I would love it. it this is a, a big game, televised in a big spot, and I, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with the offense, but I feel like the defense is going to play their nuts off. Whether yeah. that doesn't mean that they're going to shut down WVU, that that is not going to happen. This is a pretty good offense, but I do think that they're going to play hard, and that against WVU a defense that's playing salty, that's what it's all about, man. That's what that's what we love. And I also like going into a game against West Virginia as the underdog mm-hmm. because there were years where I think it was '03 where we go down to WVU, we're number three in the country, they're unranked, and they whipped our ass on a Wednesday night. Yep. And that, that game sucked, and I, I, I hated it. I always would rather for Tech to go into these rivalry games as the underdog and come out, fight, and use that as fuel for the game and beat their ass because this this is going to be a vintage Virginia Tech night, mm-hmm. and it would be so big for Brent Pry and the program to win this game yep. at home, on national television, kind of shove that ODU game down, push it away, get rid of the memories. This would go a long way to helping that. I agree. All right, that's going to do it for the podcast. Make sure to call the reaction line if you want to during the game, after the game, 540-251-2169. Hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DeepVT. It's 2DeepVT on Instagram as well. It's 2DeepVT at gmail.com if you want to send us anything. And of course, rate, review, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can find us. Thank you for the beer, Charlie and Pam. Thank you for listening, all of you. And thanks for the calls, guys. I don't have all of your names in the calls because if you didn't leave your name, I couldn't put it in there. But that's just a note to anyone that wants to call. If you want your name on there, you're going to have to tell me because I don't know who's making the calls. I just get them as a number. Yes. Also a note that if you call us sloshed, be sure not to mention your name if you don't want it. If you don't <laughs> yeah. want it discussed, be sure to uh, keep that keep that part out. Absolutely, and until next time, when we are hopefully celebrating a big win over WVU, go Hokies. Mm-hmm.